Am I on? I'm good to go. All right. So this is uh, definitely unique. Um, Pastor Q and Pastor Mimi asked me to preach on the first opening day. So I get to see everyone. Um, it's going to be a little bit different and interesting because I generally, when I preach, I like to see people's smiles because it's like a litmus test to see if I'm doing a good job or if I'm being funny. Uh, Hannah doesn't think I'm ever funny, so it probably doesn't matter, but I beg to differ. Um, so I just really want to uh, say I'm glad to be here. It's good to see everyone. Uh, worship just felt so raw and so honest today. It's just so good to worship together. Um, so yeah, I don't know where you guys have been at. Uh, for all of you guys who are streaming in, uh, you can see me. I can't see you. Uh, but wherever you guys have been at over the past few months, I'm sure quarantine and being on lockdown has been so different for everyone. Um, but I can assure you with full confidence that even though the world has shut down on so many different things, God is still on the move. Amen. He has not stopped. The kingdom of God is not out of business. It's, there's no panic in the kingdom of God. He is still fully on the move. Uh, and I have a couple testimonies just to share with you guys to um, encourage you. I did get their permissions, so I'm going to uh, share one of them first. His name is Snake, or Daniel. You guys know Snake. Um, I was texting with him a little bit yesterday, uh, and a few, several, several months ago, I think almost a full year ago, his brother in Korea, for those of you guys who know, he has uh, a mom, a stepdad, and brother in Korea. His brother was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And so he texted me that a year ago, and we were all a little bit uncertain of what was going to go on. Uh, his brother is not a believer, and so we were really praying for that. Um, and yesterday he texted me saying that they caught up and they are fully devoted to Christ, like the entire family. I, I still don't know any of the details. All I know is that that happened and nobody knows the details other than they really love Jesus and they're all going to church, the mom, the brother, and the stepdad. They're all going to church. Like God has not slowed down one bit. Um, oh, applause just felt really nice instead of just preaching to a camera. But... Uh, and this is the second testimony. This one, um, I got in contact with a sister out in California. Uh, and over the past few months, we've been really ministering to her. She's been experiencing an ungodly, pun intended, an ungodly amount of spiritual warfare in her life. Just outrageous. And I, I really wanted to connect her to um, just pastors in the area in California. But a lot of churches, they're not even meeting in person. Uh, they're doing a lot of things online. And so I was like, Man, what do I do with this? Like, I really want to minister to her and be available for her um, and things like that. But I'm in East Coast. She's in California. So how do we do this thing? And finally, I just felt like God was saying, like, just do it. Like, there's nothing to really lose at this point. So we had some Zoom ministry sessions, and they've gone really well. Um, and the thing that happened with her is that she was experiencing a lot of just attack from the enemy. And her, she was having a lot of health concerns. And so for about a week and a half straight, she went to the emergency room or urgent care at least once a day. And there was even some times where she got out of the emergency room only to get sick again and go back to urgent care the same day. And so as you guys can imagine, going to the hospital that frequently, the medical bill is stacking up and piling up. Well, she couldn't make it out to any of... Uh, work that entire week. So in the midst of all of that, she got fired. So she lost her job. Her medical bills were racking up. And she was telling me all of this. And 
in my heart, I was thinking, and I told her this, I said, God's gonna take care of your bill. Like, this is not, okay, God's gonna take care of it. And in my head, I'm thinking of ways to help settle her bill. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm gonna set a, start a GoFundMe, trying to muster out all of this like human strength and human wisdom, what's the right way to do this? Uh, and she texts me a few days ago and she goes, all of my medical bills have been wiped. And I was like, you have to explain a little bit more. Like, give me some more context. What happened? And her response is, I don't know, probably God. <laughs> and she said that uh, there's this, like, program or something where you apply to help pay it off, like loans or something. And she said it usually takes about 30 days for that to be processed. And she said within the 30 minutes after she applied, it was completely gone. And she has no explanation for it other than it must be God. And so God is certainly on the move. He has not slowed down. If anything, I feel like it has been an acceleration. And so today, what I really want to talk to you guys about is this uh, word called communion. Um, and the reason why I've been really thinking about what communion meant is because of this. Um, if you guys know what a factory reset is, it's that thing where you want your phone or your laptop or whatever device you have to be set completely back to when you first got it. So it has none of your fingerprints on it. It has none of your pictures or your contacts. It's as if it has never been touched before, okay? I felt like in a lot of ways, when Hannah and I came to Hope Church, we were rethinking church and finding ways to reach students at College Park and do, do church in a different way. And I felt like when Corona hit and we were all shut down for a little bit, I, I felt like God was saying, now is a good time to do a factory reset a factory reset on what you think and what your idea of church is. And so uh, I have been thinking about what is church supposed to even look like. As a pastor, uh, as someone who is passionate about the church, wanting to eventually plan a church in the future, like what does it mean to have church according to the way God describes it? And the word that popped to my head was communion. And so that's really what we're going to talk about. It's this word called koinonias. Uh, we're going to look into scripture. We're going to dig into it a little bit. But this word koinoneus means community. It means commonness. It means communion. And it means fellowship. And I love this two-part definition. It, it is first, communion is deepening friendship. And then number two, developing a common vision, a common goal, and common priorities. That's what it means to be in communion with Christ and communion with one another. And that order is important, communion with Christ, to deepen our friendship and deepen our affection with him and to deepen his kingdom and his will, his will on earth. Those are the two things to being in community and being in church, being in communion and, and fellowship with one another. And we do it with Christ and we do it together. And that's what it meant for me to be in church. And so we're going to dig into this and... Um, I think church, when we, when, whenever I think about church, the first passage that comes to mind is Acts 2. It's the first church. So uh, I did some investigation into Acts 2, and we're going to have a little bit of a Bible-heavy beginning. So stay with me. We're going to go somewhere, I promise. Um, but Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. And Acts chapter 2 begins with the festival of weeks. And the first time I heard Festival of Weeks, I was like, that doesn't, what does it mean to have a Festival of Weeks? Well, uh, I dug into this a little bit more. 
Okay. Um, and in Jewish tradition, there are three major festivals. It's the uh, Passover, it's the Festival of Weeks, and the Festival of the, or the Feast of the Tabernacles. And they're just three major Jewish celebration or holidays or traditional things. Just like in America, the three biggest ones for me is probably Thanksgiving, Christmas, and my birthday. Those are the three biggest holidays for me in America, right? In the same way, in Jewish tradition, the Festival of Weeks was a big, big deal for the Jewish community. And so uh, in Acts chapter 2, there were a lot of Israelites coming in to Jerusalem to offer their first fruits unto the Lord. So uh, let's look into it a little bit more. Deuteronomy chapter 16, the Festival of Weeks, is talking about counting off seven weeks from the time you begin to pull the, uh, put the sickle to the standing grain. And in Leviticus chapter 23, it says uh, 50 days after. So seven full weeks has to pass after Passover for the festival of weeks to take place. So seven weeks, seven times seven is 49. On the 50th day is when the festival of weeks happens. And the word for Pente is 50, which means that Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. So there's, I started digging into this, and I'm like, this is very intentional. God does not do anything out of order. He doesn't do anything out of coincidence. God is intentional about this. And so uh, I dug into it a little bit more, and I started realizing that there's a lot more to the Festival of Weeks on Passover than I originally realized. Okay, um, I'm going to dig into it. But uh, let me take a quick pause here. The reason why I really love Jewish tradition and history is because I feel like a lot of my life I've, I've studied the scripture and I like just passed through Deuteronomy, Leviticus, the things to me that were like boring and I would like pretend to read it and like it just didn't really make sense to me. There is a lot in there that is such a big part of our identity. Um, it's kind of like this. During uh, during lockdown, Hannah has been pulling out some incredible things to watch. And one of them is a Korean drama called Mr. Sunshine. In Korean, it's Misita Sunshine. And I loved it. Like, I'm not really a Korean drama kind of guy, like, at all. Um, but I loved it. And I, I realized after finishing this drama, like, there was, like, a deep part of me that awoke. Where I was like, I am proud to be Korean. And I am proud to be part of this righteous army, and I will give my life to Chosun. Some of you guys probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's in the drama. And so there was a part of me that, that deeply awoke and identified with these people because I realized this was such a big part of my identity. And the same thing happened when I realized that there's so much Jewishness that I wasn't studying but it makes my walk with God that much more richer. And so uh, one of the resources that I would recommend and throw out there is David Stern. He's an author. So for any of you guys who do want to dig deeper, a lot of his material and books are good. Uh, if you guys are looking for a commentary, I love his commentary. It's been my go-to for all of seminary. It's called the Jewish New Testament Commentary. Just There's so much depth to our faith when we study into it. But, okay, let's keep going on. So... Um, we were talking about Passover, and 50 days after Passover was the Festival of Weeks, uh, and that was when God decided that that was the first church that was going to be born. Um, an interesting thing about that was that Jewish scholars also believed that the Festival of Weeks was a celebration and a remembrance of the 
the time that God gave the law to Moses to the Israelites. Because it was after the Exodus, and uh, there's a lot of tradition in that that suggests that that was a time, that the Festival of Weeks was also a time to remember when the law came on the, on the things, the tablets, and Moses gave it to the people. And here's the thing. The first church was diverse because there were a lot of people outside of Jerusalem who were there to celebrate the Festival of Weeks. And there's evidence and there's proof of it because there were people speaking in tongues and there were different languages and there are other people who could hear it and confirm that that was their languages. Right? So the first church was diverse. And the first church, uh, in a weird way, in a, such a crazy, mind-blowing way, God decided that even though in the Festival of Weeks we're called to bring the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the grain harvest to the Lord, we're supposed to bring it to an offering. Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 became the first fruits of the church. And it was a 3,000-person church during Pentecost. And also, just like I mentioned before, in the Festival of Weeks, God decided that he would give the laws on a tablet. And in Acts chapter 2, in church... God decided to write the law in our hearts. And so uh, God gave us the tablets in Exodus to the Israelites as a teaching. And now in the church, God gave us himself, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. It's just God is so poetic in all this, and it's not by coincidence. And so uh, we dig into it a little bit more. And you see that there is a lot going on, right? The gift of tongues comes out, and there are a lot of people getting saved. And you read through the book of Acts, and you realize that the first church was fearless. There was a boldness about them where they could preach. They weren't afraid to be persecuted. They weren't afraid to be uh, hurt by anyone, physically hurt by anyone. They were fearless, and they weren't just a gathering. They were a movement. They were unstoppable. And also, the first church was kind of a mega church, if you think about it. It's kind of a joke. I don't really know if this is a funny joke, but this is one of those moments where your masks probably don't help me. But uh, the first church was kind of a mega church. But let's dig into Acts chapter 2. So we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted, devoted meaning to give constant attention to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to focus more on that Koinonia's part. So there's a lot that the church was doing. They were uh, filled with awe. They were giving themselves to the teaching, and they were constantly breaking bread. And it's this fellowship word that stood out to me. The word fellowship stood out to me because I know in church we think that fellowship or communion is just a breaking of bread or grape juice. Um, the word fellowship is really a meal, like breaking bread, like actually getting together and enjoying food with one another. And the reason why this stood out to me is because I think we can often do church 
and not do these two things. The two things being deepening friendship, deepening affection, and developing a common value and a common vision and a common set of goals. I think we can be so swept in the motion of going through church that we forget that one of the first things we're supposed to do together is to deepen affection with Christ and with one another. So rethinking church means that ultimately this is the aim of church. The aim of church is to have affection deepened by Christ. And what a way to do it by doing communion, right? The practice of the breaking and the body, breaking of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ and taking part in that and deepening our affection for him, but also deepening affection for one another. And it's also deepening a common value and a vision for what we're called to do. I believe that churches are, have a specific calling and mandate. Um, and I'm going to share this story with you guys. Uh, I, I believe we are living in such a time where we are, it's hard to not be swayed by media. We, we live in a time where I think the pull in different directions is pretty strong. And if you're like me and you're going through Instagram right before you go to bed and you're swiping up to see if you missed anything, which you probably didn't, it's probably the same thing anyway, you might be feeling like you're like getting pulled like back and forth, right? And so I've been saying this a lot to our Nava group, and I'm going to mention this. So if you've been hearing me say this, I'm going to keep beating this drum. Um, I really believe that in this time, because the pull and the sway to go a certain direction or not, it's so polarized. It's going to be that much more important for us to plumb line head first into God. To say, I'm not going all in in any direction until I go all in with God. I think it's, hard, it's easy to forget that right now. Because everyone wants you to be fully all in in one direction and fully all in in a different direction. And they're competing for your utmost devotion. And they're, competing, or they're, they're actually competing for your utmost allegiance to some sort of ide- ideology, some sort of organization. And I'm here to say, as a church, our first loyalty is to Christ. Amen. Our first loyalty is not to the government of the United States. I'm sorry. I might offend people. and <laughs> I wasn't planning on saying this. But our utmost devotion is to the government of heaven, where Jesus is on the throne. And a funny thing happened to me because when I graduated college, I kind of thought I knew it all. I kind of thought I had life figured out. Like, I got saved. I knew I was going to go into ministry. And I was, like, red hot for God. And I was like, I'm going all in. And I started, like, noticing things about the church. And it started frustrating me a little bit. And I started realizing, if I was pastor, I probably wouldn't do that. And then I started looking at my church and my seminary and different things in my school. And I was like, if I was president of the school, I probably wouldn't do that. And it went to a different extent. If I was president of the United States, I would probably do things a little bit differently. And I seemed to have this opinion about everything. And one of the biggest things that I had an opinion on where I thought I like, knew so well was this thing of discipleship. And the reason why I was so passionate and I felt like I knew everything about discipleship was because I didn't feel like I had that in high school, or I thought I didn't have it in high school. And so this whole time in high school, I didn't feel like I was receiving discipleship. I didn't understand what discipleship was. And then in college, when I got saved, I realized discipleship was a huge thing. And so I like went all in on discipleship. And I was like, this is discipleship, okay? 
here's the thing. I thought in high school I wasn't being discipled, but it was because I wasn't being discipled in a way that I thought I needed to be discipled, right? I, I think a lot of times we, we want it to be a certain way, and if it isn't the way that we want it, we dismiss it completely and say it wasn't there. And so God had to first correct that, but uh, here's what happened. So I went through my first year of seminary being really fiery about discipleship, saying, like, this is what discipleship is supposed to look like. I've never had this. And so this is how we're going to do discipleship. When I become a pastor of the church, like, it's going to look like this, this, and this. And then one day I decided to visit Hope Church. And I went to Hope Church, and I realized they're pretty good at discipleship. <laughs> like, I was like, I, I get the feeling that this church is discipling people, like, pretty well. And I was, like, thinking about it. And for, like, the first few weeks I visited Hope Church, I realized I didn't really know who I was. Okay? Follow me. Stay with me. It's a little bit strong. But this is the reason why I say it. I realized that subconsciously I was building a theology and an understanding of God and my calling based on my frustrations with church. So when I actually went to a church that did that thing well, I realized that my theology was not built on firm foundation, which also meant that my identity in Christ was not as solid as I thought it was. And here's why I say it. Being in communion and developing vision and values and goals for your community, it's easy for us to get frustrated with the things that are going on and to build an entire theology off of that frustration. That is not solid foundation. Because if God decides to heal that area where we're hurt, what's left, <laughs> right? That entire foundation is gone. And so it is that much more important for us as a church and even just individually to cultivate a vision that is rooted in hope and not rooted in frustration, anger, or bitterness, that's why it's so important for us to develop a vision that's rooted in hope. And here's the other thing. If, if your identity and theology is rooted in hurt, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be hurt. And we need a theology where we can take that into heaven. Amen? And we can say, Jesus, you are exactly who I thought you were. And you are better than what I thought you were. Does that make sense? Um, I know it's a little bit strong, and I, I want to set the record st straight and say that I'm not saying that what we're going through as a nation is not painful. It is absolutely painful. I mean, I think I grieved like when I saw some of the, the, the killings and the murders that happened several months ago. I was deeply grieved. Like, I couldn't work. I, I told my manager, I was like, I think I might need some time off. Like, I can't even focus. So I'm not minimizing the things that we're going through. I'm not minimizing the fact that we are in a global pandemic. What I am saying is, let's still root ourselves in hope. Let's continue to plumb line ourselves and say that, God, I'm still going all in on the promises that you gave me. It doesn't matter what the world looks like right now. Let's go all in with Christ. And that's where we're going to have communion. We're going to have communion because we're all in with Christ because we know who he is. 
We're going to be all in with one another because we're all in with Christ, and that's how it works. Amen? Amen. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with this story. Um, it's funny because God likes to do things to kind of just... I feel like God does this to me a lot, where I feel like I'm getting a little bit comfortable, and some of you guys might identify with this. I feel like I'm a little bit comfortable, and the next thing I know, God does something, and I'm like totally uncomfortable. And I felt like everything I knew about God, I'm like, this is good, God. Like, let's not go out there again. Like, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm in my happy zone. Let's just stay here for like a good year. Let me just sing Kumbaya, like every night. And then the day after, I feel like everything is just like so different again. You know, and God does that to us because he wants to stretch us. And uh, one of the memories I have is I felt like a year after I realized that I didn't understand discipleship the way I understood it. Well, that happened again when I realized that uh, spiritual warfare was real. (laughs) And that was one of those moments where I was like, man, I really don't know God as well as I thought I did. In that time. I went to prayer meetings and church meetings and started experiencing things that I didn't think I would experience, uh, such as some of the things that we're well acquainted with, uh, tongues, healing, prophecy, demonic manifestations. And I remember all of that just like happened to me like overnight. And I just like sat there thinking like, what is going on? <laughs> like, who, who, God, who are you? <laughs> Like, I didn't think that this was real. I didn't even think I was ready for it. And God takes me on this journey. And I realized that I can no longer separate that from my walk with God. Like, I can't. It is so deeply biblical. It is so deeply essential to my faith now that I cannot separate it. And that's okay. So when I think about church opening up again and Hope Church opening up again, the question that I pose to us as a church is what are some of those things that God has kind of shaken us out of? I think we've all been a little bit shaken this, this year. 2020 has been a year of just shaking things that can be shaken. And in the midst of that shaking, as we decide to go all in for God again, to say, God, I believe you are who you say you are. And my allegiance is in the kingdom of heaven. What are those things that God is shaking us out of and shaking us to. And those are the things that we need to build off of. What are the things in hope that we're going to start running after and believing for? Not out of a response, not out of a reaction to some hurt, but out of the hope that God says he says he is. Amen? So uh, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And whether I liked it or not, whether or not a lot of people like it or not, I think 2020 is a year where factory reset seems to be normal. We're just resetting things. We're, everything that we thought was normal and comfortable for us, we got shook. We were shook. I was shook. I had no idea what was coming. The, the plans that I had for 2020, I laid a two-year plan and vision for Nava ministry, the college ministry, back in uh, early 2019. All of that planning is out the window right now. 
And it's time for us to really dig in and ask the Lord, what does he have for us? What does he have for us? What is the place that he wants us to go to in the next few years? And to establish and plumb line ourselves in hope again. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song. Father, we come from different places, but in a weird way, we're all coming and from a familiar place of just being shaken in 2020. But God, today, we say as a community and as a church that we are going all in with you first and foremost before anything else. That we choose to be totally plumb-lined in the goodness of who you are. And so, Father, right now, even as we are just being reminded of things that have happened in 2020, God, I'm asking you right now to do a work in our hearts where you begin to remove any of the hurt, any of the confusion of 2020. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate hope in our hearts again? Would you allow us to have the vision to see things the way you see things? Give us a hope-filled perspective today. So Holy Spirit, come. Would you come and do a work in our hearts right now, Lord? In Jesus' name.